You're listening to The Maniculum, pointing the finger at the Middle Ages. We bring you the choicest medieval nonsense, discuss and evaluate it, then pillage it for our own geeky purposes. Hey y'all, so this is the second part of the Saga of the Greenlanders. As mentioned in the previous part, We recorded this in one go, but it was too long to release as a single episode, so we've split it up. I would encourage you to go back and listen to part one first, but of course I guess you don't have to. Though if you are making the decision to listen to part two without listening to part one, that is a fascinating choice, and I would love to learn more about why you would do such a thing. Anyway, on to the actual episode. That same summer, a ship came from Norway to Greenland. The skipper's name was Thorfinn Karlsefni. We know him. Yes, he was a major character in the saga of Eric the Red. He's just now being introduced here. Okay. But, like, he is, in both this saga and the saga of Eric the Red, he is one of the major people who tried to settle Finland. And I believe there are a couple statues of him in some northeastern cities around here. Yeah. He was a son of Thord Horsehead and a grandson of Snorri, the son of Thord of Hifti. Thorfinn Karlsefni, who was a very wealthy man, passed the winter at Brattafleet with Leif Eriksson. He very soon set his heart upon Gudrith and sought her hand in marriage. She referred him to Leif for her answer and was subsequently betrothed to him, and their marriage was celebrated that same winter. So this is her new husband. Yes. I guess they have to go through the process of, like, checking it out. Like, does he fit the conditions of the prophecy thing? Well, yeah, that too. But it is, as I think we mentioned in Ale Saga... It is a running theme in Icelandic sagas that in order for a marriage to be successful, you need both the woman and her family to consent. Yes. If it's either one but not the other, the marriage is probably going to go really bad. That is a common thing. So, like, he asks her for her hand in marriage, and she basically says, well, if my family says it's okay. Yeah. Like, I'm down. Let me check with, you know, the family that I have left. I I guess Leif is technically the head of the family now because... Eric's dead. One of his brothers mm-hmm. is dead. So yeah, he's, there's he's, nobody else. Yeah, he's the only one left to ask. I think there's another brother around somewhere, but yeah. But he's not the head of the family. Yeah. A renewed discussion arose concerning a Wineland voyage, and the folk urged Carl Sepney to make the venture. Guthrith joining with the others, he determined to undertake the voyage and assembled a company of sixty men and five women. Cool note. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they're, like, planning to make this a permanent settlement, but if they are, they should bring more women. Like, you should have a more even gender division. My question is not, should they bring more women, but how many women wanted to go? That might be the issue, actually. That would be my hunch. Is like, mm, I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, I'd buy that. Because, like, otherwise, if it was the people who organizing the expedition who decided, okay, five women is enough... That's an obviously bad decision if they're going to stay there for any length of time. But if they just could only get five women to agree, that makes it make sense. Yeah, that's my bet. And entered into an agreement with his shipmates that they should each share equally in all the spoils of the Enterprise. They took with them all kinds of cattle, as it was their intention to settle the country if they could. So yeah, the plan is for this to be a permanent settlement. Yep. Carl Sepney asked Leif for the house in Wineland, and he replied that he would lend it, but not give it. Can I have the house you left behind, like, half a world away? You can borrow it. Like, yeah, I'm not using it at the the moment. I have no way to use it at the moment, but you can borrow it. 
I get it. Especially if the colony takes off, that's going to be a very important piece of land. That's true. That's true. That, that, is, that is a reasonable consideration. They sailed out to sea with the ship and arrived safe and sound at Leaf's Booths and carried their hammocks ashore there. They were soon provided with an abundant and goodly supply of food, for a whale of good size and quality was driven ashore there, and they secured it and flensed it, and had then no lack of provisions. This is the whale that should make them sick. Yes, in Eric the Red Saga, the whale made them sick. I'm excited to see if it does. Let's find out. The cattle were turned out upon the land, and the males of the cattle, I think, soon became very restless and vicious. They had brought a bull with them. What? <laughs> I don't like that. Do they think there's male cows that aren't bulls? I would believe that. Maybe the bull is the... Maybe the others are steers, and the bull mm. is just there so they have another generation. Probably. But like, they're planning to settle it. Why would they bring any steers? Who knows? Carlsepney caused trees to be felled and to be hewed into timbers, wherewith to load his ship, and the wood was placed upon a cliff to dry. They gathered somewhat of all of the valuable products of the land, grapes, and all kinds of game and fish, and other good things. In the summer succeeding the first winter, scralings were discovered. Odd phrasing. <laughs> They're just hanging out. A great troop of men came forth from out the woods. The cattle were hard by, and the bull began to bellow and roar with a great noise, whereat the scralings ah. were frightened. So th this, this also occurs again in this saga. Mm-hmm and ran away with their packs, wherein were gray furs, sables, and all kinds of peltries. Did someone go through their packs before they left? What? Maybe they stole them. Or maybe what's being left out here is that there is an attempt to trade this time, and that's why they know what they uh, have on them. Because they did try to trade in the other saga. Yeah, they, they made a point that they, like, sold a lot of red cloth. Yep. Because apparently you couldn't get it in Canada. Maybe yeah. there's not the dye components available or something. They fled towards Carlsepney's dwelling and sought to effect an entrance into the house, but Carlsepney caused the doors to be defended. Neither people could understand the other's language, which explains how this descended into panic so quickly. Yes. The Skralings put down their bundles then and loosed them and offered their wares for barter. After the bull thing? Yeah, I, I think like they realize this has gotten out of hand and they're trying to like non-verbally because oh. they can't communicate. Go like, hey guys, we're, we're here for trade. Like, yeah. I, I see that you're standing at the doorway with a weapon and I want you to know I'm not trying to break into your house. That makes sense. <laughs> anyway, they offered their wares and were especially anxious to exchange these for weapons. But Carl Sepney forbade his men to sell their weapons. I think it's an even guess whether he's just like, I don't think we want to arm these people in case this goes wrong later, or you need those, don't sell them. Yeah, yeah. And taking counsel with himself, he bade the women carry out milk to the Skralings, which they no sooner saw than they wanted to buy it, and nothing else. Which I guess is fair. I don't know how much milk of any kind was available in pre-contact North America. That's a good question. Because they don't really have large mammals. Past Mac means domesticated mammals. Obviously, in North America, they do have large mammals. They have deer and moose and buffalo and all this stuff, but I don't know if they milked them. The only large domesticated mammal I'm aware of in pre-contact America is the llama, and that's South America. If I'm wrong, feel free to correct me. I'd love to learn more. Yeah, and Europeans are some of the only people groups 
who can eat cheese and lactose. Yeah, uh, lactose tolerance is actually a, like a weird mutation that yeah. mo- o- only like is regionally a thing. Yeah. So when we say regional, it should be noted that it is not, in fact, exclusive to Europe. The mutation that allows adults to digest lactose has arisen more than once in various different geographical locations and populations. And in societies where it's beneficial, it tends to stick around like it did in Northern Europe. I believe it's also fairly common in various sub-Saharan African peoples whose traditional lifestyle includes herding cattle. And on the Central Asian steppes, where mare's milk is a big part of the diet, you see it there as well. I'm not a geneticist, though, so I don't know the details. Interesting. So yeah, hmm. this, is, this might Never be a completely that. new thing to them. Now, the outcome of the Skraelings trading was that they carried their wares away in their stomachs. I.e., they, they ate the food and drank the milk. While they left their packs and peltries behind with Carl Sepney and his companions. And having accomplished this exchange, they went away. Makes sense. Yeah. All in all, not too bad. Yeah, it seemed to go well that time. Yeah, better than the skin canoes. Now it is to be told that Carl Sepney caused a strong wooden palisade to be constructed and set up around the house, so he's still kind of paranoid. I get that, though, because he's probably heard of other stories and... I'm sure that the version of the story he heard from the previous group was distorted in some way, and he's like, I know the last group got attacked by these guys, and they didn't include the, like, well, we kind of started it. Yeah, I'm sure. It's like, thanks for including that one, buddy. It was at this time that Guthrieth, Carl Sepney's wife, gave birth to a male child, and the boy was called Snorri. We can recall this as well. I do remember there was a birth. Yes, he was also mentioned in the last one because he was the... This child, the Snorri, first. is the first European born in North America. I think there was a boat named after him uh, sometime in the modern age. Oh, cool. In the early part of the second winter, the Skraelings came to them again. And these were now much more numerous than before, and brought with them the same wares as at first. Then said Carl Sepney to the women, Do ye carry out now the same food, which proved so profitable before, and nothing else? Oh, bring out more milk. Yeah. Yeah, bring them milk. Don't don't bring them anything else. Like, they, they like the milk. Bring them more of that. Right. Don't sell your weapons. <laughs> Side note, apparently, like, throughout history, that's been an issue in military organizations is that soldiers will sell their weapons for beer money. So maybe that's what's going on here. That checks out. Why am I not surprised? When they saw this, they cast their packs in over the palisade. So the natives, I think, are just tossing their, like, packs of furs over, like, oh, sweet, you brought the the milk again. Here's our stuff. Yep. I'm sure it had nothing to do with our stomach problems last time. Yeah, right? (laughs) And forever after, they had IBS. Guthrieth was sitting within, in the doorway beside the cradle of her infant son Snorri, when a shadow fell upon the door, and a woman in a black nam kirtle entered. What is a nam kirtle? <laughs> it's clearly a type of kirtle. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, it's not in the OED, so there's no. something. Let me, okay. Let Which me I think means it just it. doesn't exist. This is probably a made-up word. If you Google nam kirtle, you just get this text. That's weird. Yeah, the the pre-Columbian notices of American Aborigines. Yeah, which is a 1916 article, I've, I've got that at the top too, that is discussing this passage. Oh, here we go. Here's a little note on it, I think. Are you on, is this the sacred text page? Yeah. Oh, yes. 
These are the end notes from this same uh, text that I'm using. I just didn't, I only oh. downloaded part of the PDF. Got it. So this is the note that's supposed to go with that thing. Mm-hmm. Namkirtle is thus explained by Dr. Valtier Gudmundsen in his unpublished treatise on ancient Icelandic dress. Different writers are not agreed upon the meaning of Namkirtle. <laughs> so useful. Sveinbjorn Eilsen interprets it as signifying a kirtle made from some kind of material called Nam. No sh**, thanks. <laughs> right. He's like, I'm sure it's a kirtle made from Nam. What's Nam? No f***ing clue. <laughs> In this definition, he is followed by Kaiser. The Icelandic painter, Sigurður Guðmundsson, has, on the other hand, regarded the word as allied to the expression fitting close to the leg or narrow, and concludes that nam kirtle should be translated narrow kirtle. Doesn't it already say that it's narrow, or like close-fitting kirtle? Or am I just making that shit up? It does not already say that. You are just making that up. Oh, okay. Well... Oh, and, and if, if anyone's confused, a kirtle is um, like a tunic or a gown. It's a yeah. standard like medieval piece of clothing. All right, so a woman in a black, some kind of clothing, enters. She was short in stature and wore a fillet about her head. Back to the OED. <laughs> if I weren't a hack and a fraud, I would have looked these up already. Well, you know. A headband. Oh, it's like a head wrap. Yeah. Her hair was of a light chestnut color, and she was pale of hue and so big-eyed that never before had eyes so large been seen in a human skull. Some liberal hyperbole there, but all right. Maybe. What do you mean, maybe? Okay, all right. Well, I want to point out that she's described as pale of hue, and yet she's a stranger to the only Europeans in this hemisphere. So where the fuck did this woman come from? To be fair, I think there were a lot of early expeditions that didn't come back that just mixed. That is true. And so yeah, it doesn't surprise fair. me that there are pale individuals who have larger rounder set eyes that mix features. I'm just saying, I'm not sure it's an exaggeration. I think this woman is supposed to be uncanny. Okay, I'm here for it. I'm always here for the uncanny. She went up to where Guthrid was seated and said, What is thy name? My name is Guthrid, but what is thy name? My name is Guthrid, says she. Oh no. The housewife, Guthrid, motioned her with her hand to a seat beside her. But it so happened that, at the very instant, Guthrith heard a great crash, whereupon the woman vanished. And at the same moment, one of the Skraelings, who had tried to seize their weapons, was killed by one of Karlsefni's followers. So she's a ghost? Yeah. So this, this woman appears out of nowhere, and has apparently very huge eyes, so large as had never been seen in a human skull, and Guthrith's like, Hi, who are you? My name's Guthrith. And she just goes, My name's Guthrith. <laughs> oh, and then, like, she vanishes at the exact instant that everything suddenly goes wrong. So it's, I think this is like one of those, uh, what do you call them? Fetch things? Oh, like a like doppelganger. Yeah. That are supposed to be like a an omen of disaster. Yes, that makes sense. I do like that Guthrie was so kind to this woman. She's like, huh, freaky, scary looking lady. I'm still going to say hello. All right. So things have gone wrong. One of the Skraelings tried to grab a weapon, and one of the Vikings killed him. At this, the Skraelings fled precipitately, leaving their garments and wares behind them. I'm hoping that those are the garments they were trading and not the ones they were wearing. Like, they didn't just strip before they ran. <laughs> I'd wager so. As not a soul, save Gudrid alone, beheld this woman. So no one else saw her going in or coming out, is, is just being established here. Ooh, I like it. It's spooky. 
Now we must needs take counsel together, says Carl Sepney, for that I believe they will visit us a third time, in great numbers, and attack us. Let us now adopt this plan. Ten of our number shall go out upon the cape, and show themselves there, while the remainder of our company shall go into the woods, and hew a clearing for our cattle, when the troop approaches from the forest. We will also take our bull, and let him go in advance of us. Ah, uh, because that worked really well the last time. Well, I mean, they did, like, kind of freak out and panic last time. Maybe he's hoping that'll give them an edge. Although I'm not sure how much it'll help, given that now they know it's just, that's the noise that animal makes. But have they ever seen that animal before? True. I'm just saying, they don't have the element of surprise as much anymore. That's true. That is true. We'll see what they do with it. The lie of the land was such that the proposed meeting place had the lake upon the one side and the forest upon the other. Carl Sepney's advice was now carried into execution. The Skralings advanced to the spot which Carl Sepney had selected for the encounter, and a battle was fought there, in which great numbers of the band of the Skralings were slain. There was one man among the Skralings, of large size and fine bearing, whom Carl Sepney concluded must be their chief. They can't talk to him, so he's just like, that really big guy is probably in charge. <laughs> Look how big and strong he is. Especially if he's decked out, you know? Yeah. That makes sense. One of the Skralings picked up an axe, and having looked at it for a time, he brandished it about one of his companions, and hewed at him, and on the instant the man fell dead. Seems like a weird thing to do. Like, I assume yeah. you knew it was a weapon. Did you actually want to test that on the guy next to you? Yeah, that just seems like a really dumb, like they're dumbing down the Skralings. Yeah. That does not seem plausible, but okay, alright, regardless. Thereupon, the big man seized the axe, and after examining it for a moment, he hurled it as far as he could, out into the sea. I do remember that last time in the previous Thanksgiving saga, they found some of the weapons, and then they're like, oh, these aren't good for anything, and just left them. Like some axes sound and familiar. stuff. Yeah. So it's a similar, you know... It's not a parallel per se, but it's curving off in the same direction. Yeah, I think this is another one of those moments that can be read in two different ways. Like either he's going, okay, having this axe is bad. You just killed that guy with it. We shouldn't have this axe. Or mm -hmm. what are you doing? Give me that. You can't have that. And just throwing it <laughs> as far man. away as possible. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think you're doing? Then they fled helter-skelter into the woods, and thus their intercourse came to an end. Good translation. I like that. Helter-skelter. Oh, I thought you were commenting on intercourse. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, that one I'm more used to in these weird translations. <laughs> True. Helter yeah. Skelter is just fun to have. Yeah, I always think of the song. There's a song? Yeah, it's by the Beatles. Oh! It's weirdly the one that inspired uh, Charles Manson. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that doesn't make any that. sense. Like, if you listen to the song, like, there's absolutely no connection. But, I don't know. He, Whatever he was did it for you. Yeah. Okay. Carl Sepney and his party remained there throughout the winter, but in the spring, Carl Sepney announces that he is not minded to remain there longer, but will return to Greenland. They now made ready for the voyage, and carried away with them much booty and vines and grapes and peltries. I think peltry is like just pelt. Pelts and stuff. Yeah. It's like goods, you know? Yeah. General stuff. You know what, I still have the online OED open here. Ooh, get specific with it. Yeah. It's pelt, undressed skin of animal valuable for its fur. Nice. They sailed out upon the high seas and brought their ship safely to Eriksfirth, where they remained during the winter. There was now much talk anew about a Wineland voyage. This was reckoned both a profitable and an honorable enterprise. Because, like, these guys just came back with a ship full of goods and battle stories. So, like, yep. 
You get money and you get honor. Gotta do it. Gotta do it. On the bucket list for the Greenlanders. Yes. Because there's not much glory to be found in Greenland. No, there really isn't. No. What are you gonna do? I mean, again, there are indigenous people, but I think they're mostly kind of avoiding them. I would. Yeah. I mean, that would explain how, again, it seems clear that the Norsemen did not in any way learn how to live in this climate. So apparently they weren't talking to the people who already knew that. I guess there just wasn't a lot of contact. Yeah. Anyway, the same summer that Carl Sepney arrived from Wineland, a ship from Norway arrived in Greenland. This ship was commanded by two brothers, Helgi and Finboy. Finboy? It is spelled Finbogi, but I have been told that you're supposed to pronounce the G in that like a Y. Okay, alright. I like it either way, 10 out of 10. This is something that I have heard from Saga Thing, and I'm just going to roll with it. Sounds good to me. We trust their expertise on this matter. Yes. Helgi and Finboy, who passed the winter in Greenland. They were descended from an Icelandic family of the Eastfirths. It is now to be added that Freydis Eric's daughter, you may remember Freydis Eric's daughter from Eric the Red Saga, she did get a mention earlier in this saga as just Eric had a daughter called Freydis and she, she was a gold <laughs> digger and got married to this yes. wimpy guy. Yes. But in Eric the Red Saga, she was the one who confronted a group of Skraelings by screaming and beating a sword against her naked chest. I do like her. She was my favorite. Freydis, Eric's daughter, set out from her home at Gartha, and now waited upon the brothers, Helgi and Finboy, and invited them to sail with their vessel to Wineland, and to share with her equally all of the good things which they might succeed in obtaining there. To this they agreed, and she departed thence to visit her brother Leif, and ask him to give her the house which he had caused to be erected in Wineland. It's a weird use of the passive there. Like, we're consistently getting had caused to be. He had caused. <laughs> well, he didn't do it himself. He probably ordered other people to do it. Uh, yeah, but... Yeah. The English major in me doesn't like it. Eh, I guess. <laughs> no, I think it's fine. I don't, I don't object to it at all. That's fair. Mostly, I'm just realizing that, hang on, Freydis is Leif's only sister. So when Guthrid was asking him for, like, permission to marry, she was actually asking her brother-in-law. So I have to wonder what happened to her birth family. Oh, good question. I don't know. I'm not tracking the families as well as I do in AX. Anyway, Freydis goes to visit Leif and asks if she can have the house which she built and had caused to be built in Wineland. But he made her the same answer, saying that he would lend the house, but not give it. All right. Okay. I can respect that. Yeah. I mean, you'd think that he'd be more willing to give it to his sister than to some random guy. True. But who knows? It was stipulated between Karlsepne and Freydis that each should have on shipboard 30 able-bodied men, beside the women. But Freydis immediately violated this compact by concealing five men more. And this the brothers did not discover before they arrived in Wineland. How did she do that, I wonder? Don't know. Did she disguise them as extra women? <laughs> That's my bet. She's like, oh, I found, I found, you know, five extra ladies willing to come on board with us. And they're probably like, yeah, awesome. And then it did not go down I well. I think they're on two separate ships. So it would be easy to like sneak them on board. But I like the idea that they're disguised as women. Head like can. you wouldn't have to hide them for the whole voyage. Just no, on and just, on board. You get far enough away that it's a, it's a sunk cost and then you're fine. They now put out to sea, having agreed beforehand that they would sail in company, if possible, and although they were not far apart from each other, their brothers arrived somewhat in advance, and carried their belongings up to Leif's house. 
Now when Freydis arrived, her ship was discharged and the baggage carried up to the house, whereupon Freydis exclaimed, Why did you carry your baggage in here? Into my house. Yeah, since we believed, said they, that all promises made to us would be kept. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to see, what, what, what promise is this? I think there's an implied promise of like, hey, I'll, oh, it's the, the lending promise of, hey, you can borrow it. She's borrowing the house from her brother. Right, but it, did he not also say to to the other guy that he could borrow it, but not I guess. gift it? So I think it's a shared yeah, okay. shared thing. Well, Freydis disagrees because she says it was to me that Leaf loaned the house and not to you. Rip. Oh, I think I know what it is. She was talking to Helgi and Finboy, and they agreed to share equally all the good things they find in Wineland. I think that the two guys assumed that included, like, the houses that the previous settlement had built. Oh, okay, okay. That makes sense. And she's like, no. <laughs> no. Whereupon Helgi exclaimed, We brothers cannot hope to rival thee in wrong dealing. They thereupon carried their baggage forth and built a hut above the sea on the bank of the lake and put all in order about it, while Freydis caused wood to be felled with which to load her ship. The winter now set in and the brothers suggested that they should amuse themselves by playing games. This they did for a time until the folk began to disagree, I think about the games. When dissensions arose between them, maybe someone's cheating, and the games came to that an end. Check. The games came to an end. Like, cutting this one out. We're not doing this one anymore. And the visits between the houses ceased, and thus it continued far into the winter. One morning early, Freydis arose from her bed and dressed herself, but did not put on her shoes and stockings. A heavy dew had fallen, and she took her husband's cloak and wrapped it about her and then walked to the brother's house and up to the door, which had only been partly closed by one of the men who had gone out a short time before. She pushed the door open and stood, silently, in the doorway for a time. Finboy, who was lying on the innermost side of the room, was awake and said, What dost thou wish here, Freydis? She answers, I wish thee to rise and go out with me, for I would speak with thee. He I've did so. i got a bad feeling about this. That's, that's probably fair. I don't remember the details of this, but I do remember, like, that the vibe I got from Freydis in this saga is she is her father's daughter. Oh, 100%. I don't want to cross this woman. Yeah, you, you know, the father who got repeatedly exiled for murders. Yeah. He did so, and they walked to a tree, which lay close by the wall of the house, and seated themselves upon it. How art thou pleased here, says she. He answers, I am well pleased with the fruitfulness of the land, but I am ill content with the breach which has come between us, for, methinks, there has been no cause for it. It is even as thou sayest, says she, and so it seems to me. So, to summarize that in non-ridiculously archaic language, <laughs> she's like, so how are you? And he says, you know, the land is great, but it it's really bothering me that like our two halves of the expedition are so at odds. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any good reason for that. And she's like, yes, I'm here for something different. And here's what she's here for. Here we go. But my errand to thee is that I wish to exchange ships with you brothers, for that ye have a larger ship than I, and I wish to depart. To this I must accede, says he, if it is thy pleasure. So she's like, you've got a bigger boat. I would like to take that boat and fill it with stuff and go home. And he's like, sure. I can deal with this, yeah. Like, if yeah. you don't want to be here, we don't want you here, so... Yeah, like, we're, we're, we're not getting along anyway. Like, we're planning to stay here a while. Like, if, yeah. you, if you want to take the bigger boat back, like, fine. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Now, is she giving up the ship that they've been sailing with? She did say she was going to exchange the boats. 
So theoretically, they get her boat. Right, right, right. But we haven't we been tracking one of the ships? I think her boat is the same ship, yes. Okay, I just wanted to check. Because if she comes to a terrible end, we're going to know why. Yes. Therewith they parted, and she returned home, and Finboi to his bed. She climbed up into bed, and awakened Thorvard with her cold feet, because remember, she did not wear shoes or stockings. Yes. And he asked her why she was so cold and wet. She answered with great passion, I have been to the brothers, says she, to try to buy their ship, for I wished to have a larger vessel. But they received my overtures so ill that they struck me and handled me very roughly. What time thou, poor wretch, wilt neither avenge my shame nor thy own? And I find perforce that I am no longer in Greenland. Moreover, I shall part from thee unless thou wreakest vengeance for this. Oh, no. Yeah, so she goes back to them. And even though she had like a absolutely congenial conversation, like I think she was expecting them to say no. But like they yeah. dislike having her around so much that they just said sure. They're like, yeah, fine, whatever. But she goes back and she's like, I asked to buy their boat. And they've manhandled me, and they were horrible to me. And you know what? As my husband, even though you're such a wimp, it is your job to go get revenge. Cold as the Council of Women. Yes, that's exactly. This is actually an extreme example of that, because again... She's a liar! <laughs> she's advocating revenge for something that didn't happen. Yeah! And now he could stand her taunts no longer, and ordered the men to rise at once, and take their weapons. And this they did. And they then proceeded directly to the house of the brothers, and entered it, while the folk were asleep, and seized uh -oh. and bound them, and led each one out when he was bound. And as they came out, Freydis caused each one to be slain. So, like, she's not doing it herself, but she's just like, alright, kill him, kill him, kill him. Just like, as they're, as they're going. Oh my gosh. What a horrible woman. I know. It gets more. <laughs> Great, okay. In this wise, all of the men were put to death, and only the women were left, and these no one would kill. Well, yeah. At this, Freydis exclaimed, Hand me an axe. She does not. This was done, and she fell upon the five women and left them dead. <gasps> Holy shit. Oh, no. This is not gonna go over well. Well, there aren't any other witnesses, as long as they... Freydis can just say, like, yeah, it was revenge. Or she can even say, like, none of you they talk about this. They all died of sickness. Yeah, they all died of natural causes. Or even, no, they're fine. They're still alive. You can go check if you want. They're only a few hundred miles away across the ocean. Oh my gosh. They returned home after this dreadful deed. I think this is back to Leaf's house, not all the way back to Greenland yet. Yeah, that makes sense. And it was very evident that Freydis was well content with her work. I'll bet she was. <laughs> Cold-blooded. I like her in the other one better. I know, she's really cool in the other one. In this one, she, she's still kind of bad, but also, like, objectively terrible. Well, she's, like, bad in a psycho way. Yeah, exactly. So I, I feel like they agree with, like, okay, Freydis can kick some but they do not agree on whether she's a good person. No. Okay, alright. Oh, she is going to make some plans for this. She addressed her companion, saying, If it be ordained for us to come again to Greenland... I shall contrive the death of any man who shall speak of these events. Ooh. We must give it out that we left them living here when we came away. So she is going to go back and she's saying like, yes, they're still alive. They're and fine. She's like telling the crew like, if any of you say they're not, I'll put out a hit on you. Oh my gosh. Terrifying. Yeah, but they did just watch her kill five women with an axe. So I think they're going to believe her. Oh, I, I, I would believe her. I would absolutely believe her. 
Early in the spring, they equipped the ship which had belonged to the brothers, the bigger one, the one they wanted, the one she wanted, and yeah. freighted it with all the products of the land which they could obtain and which the ship would carry. Then they put out to sea, and after a prosperous voyage, arrived with their ship in Eriksfirth early in the summer. Carl Sepney was there, with his ship all ready to sail, and was awaiting a fair wind. And people say that a ship richer laden than that which he commanded never left Greenland. So, the idea of setting up a settlement has apparently been bailed upon by this group, because Freitas is like, let's just grab all the resources we can, shove them in the biggest boat, kill these guys so we don't have to split it with them, and go home. Gaslight gatekeep girl boss, I guess. What really bothers me about this is that there was no reason to actually kill them. They could have Mm -hmm. loaded up that ship and left and just left them alive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That in no way profited her. She just wanted to do it. She just didn't like them and wanted them all dead. Crazy. Freydis now went to her home, since it had remained unharmed during her absence. She bestowed liberal gifts upon all of her companions, for she was anxious to screen her guilt. Yeah, I'll bet. Remember I gave you nice things, so keep quiet. Yeah. But her companions were not all so close-mouthed concerning their misdeeds and wickedness that rumors did not get abroad at last. These finally reached her brother Leif, and he thought it a most shameful story. Yeah. He thereupon took three of the men who had been of Freydis' party, and forced them all at the same time to a confession of the affair, and their stories entirely agreed. I have no heart, says Leif, to punish my sister Freydis, as she deserves, but this I predict of them, that there is little prosperity in store for their offspring. Bruh. I think that's uh, Freydis and her husband. Yes. Which makes sense. Fate in Viking sagas does have a way of doing this to people. Mm-hmm. But d- leave? A little bit weak-willed, aren't we, huh? Right? Seriously. Hence it came to pass that no one from that time forward thought them worthy of aught but evil. So like they're not outlawed outlawed, but they're ostracized. Yeah. Which serves serves them right. Yeah. Serves them right. Although, I mean, Jesus, if I think if anyone deserves to be outlawed, it's probably her. Yeah, for sure. It now remains to take up the story from the time when Carl Sepney made his ship ready and sailed out to sea. He had a successful voyage and arrived in Norway safe and sound. He remained there during the winter and sold his wares, and both he and his wife were received with great favor by the most distinguished men of Norway. The following spring, he put his ship in order for the voyage to Iceland, and when all his preparations had been made and his ship was lying at the wharf, awaiting favorable winds, there came to him a southerner a native of Bremen in the Saxon land, so southerner oh. still means German, who wished to buy his house neat. Fuck is a house neat? Gable decoration, or possibly the ship's prow. Huh? Okay. Doesn't quite make sense, but all right. I do understand the connection between gable decoration and ship prow, because that's like the yeah. same sort of shape, but otherwise. Okay, I think I track this, so... We- Carl Sepney is at the wharf with his ship, and someone comes up to him and says, I wish to buy your house neat, which could mean ship's prow. So he might just be saying, like, you have a really sweet figurehead on your ship, and I'd like to buy it. Oh, okay, okay. Future Mac here. It turns out the usage of this word is actually not as clear as you would want. So the original Norse is husasnotra, which, as a compound, Cleesby Vigvason says the following... The exact meaning of this word is dubious. Finn Magnuson suggested a broom, and they suggested it be translated as house neat or house cleaner. However, if we go to Snotra, here's what Cleesby Vigvason says about that. Snotr, without the A, means wise. 
which is also what it means in Old English. That shouldn't be a huge surprise. However, it's noted that in modern usage, snotr means neat or handsome. Further, snotra, with the A, can mean to make wise, or apparently it is the name of one of the minor goddesses in the Edda, and this is indicated to be the origin of the compound Husasnotra. I think there's an argument to be made that it is a gable decoration or a ship's prow. I think that would be very interesting if we could prove that it was. That would imply quite a lot, actually, about the culture that I would be interested to read about. Not sure about this broom thing. Don't know why Carl Sapney is reluctant to sell a broom and why someone is so interested in it. That doesn't make sense. But look, it's late. I'm going to put this down for now. Maybe we'll come back to this in one of our future article episodes, if I can find anyone who's written about it. Back to the story. I do not wish to sell it, said he. I will give thee half a mark in gold for it, says the southerner. This Carl Sepney thought a good offer and accordingly closed the bargain. <laughs> okay, quick. You like immediately went from it's not for sale to, oh, how much? Yeah, sure. Everyone has a price, I guess. The southerner went his way with the house neat, and Carl Sepney knew not what wood it was, but it was Mercer, come from Wineland. So this is just an interesting oh. thing to say, like, this this is, Mercer is maple, I believe. So it's just saying, mm -hmm. like, this is a maple tree from the other side of the ocean, and it was yep. made into his, his ship's prow, and now it's been sold on. So someone out there has, like, a very special thing. Fancy little ship prow. Nice. I'll bet that's why he wanted it, too. It's exotic. Yeah, maybe he recognized it as being, like, not... Something he'd seen before. <laughs> I do not f***ing know why the translator did not translate Mercer. This isn't like Diger. I checked. Please be Vigvison agrees with me. Mercer is maple. Plain and simple. I know that shit because it's where we get the English word mazer. It's the type of medieval drinking bowl traditionally made from maple wood. Also called a gossip's bowl. I believe that comes up in Shakespeare for you. Shakespeare enjoyers out there. And back to the story. Karlsepni sailed away and arrived with his ship in the north of Iceland in Skagafirth. His vessel was beached there during the winter, and in the spring he bought, Jesus, Glaumboyarland and made his home <laughs> there. Fair enough. And dwelt there as long as he lived and was a man of the greatest prominence. From him and his wife Guthrid, a numerous and goodly lineage is descended. After Carl Sepney's death, presumably of natural causes since they don't otherwise specify, mm -hmm. Guthrith, together with her son Snorri, who was born in Wineland, took charge of the farmstead, and when Snorri was married, Guthrith went abroad and made a pilgrimage to the south, after which she returned again to the home of her son Snorri, who had caused a church to be built at Glaumboer. Guthrith then took the veil and became an anchorite and lived there the rest of her days. There we go! actually sounds peaceful. She's like, oh, oh, son, you have made a church? You know, I'm getting up in years. I think it's time to retire. How about we make a little room in this church where no one can come in and bother me ever? <laughs> Good plan. Also, this is prophecy fulfilled. Yes, yes, this is exactly what her dead husband told her would happen. Snorri had a son named Thorgir, who was the father of Ingveld, the mother of Bishop Brand. Alfrith was the name of the daughter of Snorri, Karl Sepney's son. She was the mother of Runolf, Bishop Thorlak's father. Bjorn was the name of another son of Karlsepni and Guthrith. He was the father of Thorun, the mother of Bishop Bjorn. A lot of bishops in the family. Yeah, that, that's the point they're making. It's like, look at all these like bishops that descended from Guthrith and Karlsepni. 
holy people. Many men are descended from Karlsefni, and he has been blessed with a numerous and famous posterity. And of all men, Karlsefni has given the most exact accounts of all these voyages, of which something has now been recounted. The end. Indeed. The end. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this is going to end up being a two-parter, because we were already over time when we still have segments. Yep. Alright, shall we pull those up then? Let's. What say you? Best dialogue, then. Alright. It's definitely one of Freydis' lines. Yeah. I would say... Let me scroll to the right page. I do like her threat, just because of how effective it is. Yes. I mean, it doesn't work. They do eventually snitch, but... I would expect that, though. Yeah, I think it's either the threat that where she says, like, I shall contrive the death of any man who shall speak of these events. We must give it out that we left them living here when we came away, like she's setting up her thing. Or just her going, hand me an axe. Oh, definitely hand me an axe. All right. 100%. Stone cold. Yeah. Okay, maybe a more difficult one. Altobrast. Best death. Ooh. Because, like, the temptation is to again say, Freydis. With the axe. Right. But there's also some other interesting ones. And, like, that's that's more of a best murdering. The actual death itself wasn't that interesting. Yeah, and the death of the two, like, the swarthy guy and his wife, or I guess the, the other guy's wife, it's not very, it's not a dramatic death. It's more interesting that they came back for a yeah. second. Yeah, they just die of sickness. Yeah. Do we have an interesting death? There's that guy, I forget his name, I think it starts with a Thor. One of the Thors? Yeah. I don't know, I'm scrolling. Okay. Okay, I think it's Thorvald. Okay. How did he die? He was the one who was shot in the first fight with the Skraelings, and he turns around to the rest of his men and goes Yes. Like, Are any of you hurt? And they're like, no. And he's like, so I'm mortally wounded. Yes, definitely that one. Yeah, I definitely. think that one's good. There's there's more interesting post-death happenings, mm-hmm. but this is the most interesting death-death. Yeah. Yeah, The other than that one, the only one that stood out was, like, the Skraling killing the other one with an axe, which is just... It stands out because it's an, it's an absurd event to have to happen. Exactly. Exactly. Although I do like the moment where he chucks the axe. Yeah, That's pretty good. You can't have that. You it, cannot be trusted you. with this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We can count the undead, I think. I suppose. We might as well count the undead. Yeah, just the undead. Yeah. All right. So this is one I have a number of things for. Yes, D&D. Let's go for it. All right. So first of all, this is obviously the setup for an entire campaign where someone comes to, like, wherever your settlement is and goes like, Mm -hmm. I found a land of plenty. Yes, yes. I'm retiring, but you know, if only there were some heroes who would go out and explore it for me. (laughs) Or just for themselves. Like, seriously, keep everything. Here's my ship. I just wanted to let you know. Have have my ship. Yeah. Especially if you make it a lucky ship. I feel like we have to incorporate a lucky ship. Yeah. You just can't not have the lucky ship. It would also, I think, be even more interesting to take that a step further and say, okay, for reasons we haven't figured out... You only actually get the land of plenty if you if sail you this take ship. The ship. 
It's like Valinor. If you go to the same place in a different ship, it's just not there. It doesn't work. And like, maybe it's not like just this ship. Maybe it's all ships that have a certain quality, but we haven't figured out what that quality is. All we know is what this one like works. What if it's like the maple, the maple prow? Yeah, they have to have a maple prow. You have prow to have the something. certain kind of wood, you know, from the land. It's like how in How to Train Your Dragon, only the dragons can get to the home island. And that's why none of the Vikings, like Stoic and, and the Vikings, couldn't find the dragon homeland. Because only a dragon can find that island. You know, I, I was thinking of a perhaps equally pop culture-y reference. <laughs> it's like in Pirates of the Caribbean. There you, you go! get to Tortuga if you already know where it is. Boom. But yeah, like there's some trick to it. And like this ship can get you there. But if you just build another ship, it won't happen. It won't work. All right. But yeah, you then have a whole campaign of like, okay, there's this other land that is full of resources that you really, really need because, you know, mm -hmm. your your settlement is rough. Like it's on the edge of survivability. Mm -hmm. Can you make this work? Boom. And then, of course, you can have other settlements that already exist there and then just bring in the undead. You could bring in the mm -hmm. prophecy thing. I don't know if I would recommend the meat sad for a D, D campaign but as a story idea i think it has some merit one of the things that i wrote down was go and find the booths the like, what the booths oh the booths yes because they had some of them set up previously and it's like okay cool here's a new land there's stuff here waiting for you at this outpost good luck yeah who knows i i would hope that with your players it's less Violent and colonizery. Yes. And it ended up here. That would be the aim. I would hope that would be the aim. I'm imagining it being much more focused on learning how to peacefully interact with the natives. Yes. Because you can do a lot with that, too. Yeah, you don't have to fight them. Yeah, but as, as you will, I suppose. Okay, so speaking of which, a way you can make the whole experience a little unsettling is... Remember it said that there was neither, like, a home of man nor lair of beast? Ooh, yes. What if you just, like, when, when they get to this new land, like, you don't mention it, but, like, it gradually becomes clear that there are no animals here. Like, you just never Nothing. bring it up and wait Nothing. for the players to figure it out until they're like, can we, like, hunt for our dinner? And like, you haven't seen anything. Good luck. Never overtly pointed out, mm -hmm. just never mm -hmm. mention animals and see how long it takes for them to realize there's something very wrong. Spooky. What do you do, it though, like, in that case? Because there are so many monsters and animals that make up such a good campaign. That's true. You, you would have to figure out a... It would have to be, like, a very combat-light campaign in true. that case. Be more of an exploratory sort of thing. Yeah. Or, you know, you could include, like, um... Other intelligent creatures or elementals or... You could only exclude things that actually fall under the D&D &D definition of animal. There you go. Yeah. Where, like, you still have stuff, but, Just like, it's not... all... You run into, like, elementals or imps or mm -hmm. maybe mm -hmm. another intelligent species. They're just never, like, rabbits. Yeah. Yeah. That could work. Okay. What else? I mean, crazy killer woman on the loose? Yeah, Freitas would be a great NPC to include. She would be absolutely insane to have to deal with. Maybe you go, like, maybe the quest is to, like, hey, check on this colony because this says they're still there, but the rest of her crew is terrified of her, and we don't know if they're actually alive. Yeah. Find yeah, out what happened. 
you know? Or maybe you just show up at this settlement and there's just a bunch of dead bodies there that are like rotting away. Some of them maybe are undead or haunted. And then you're like, what happened here? I don't know. Go figure it out. By the way, something that that we just kind of skimmed over is notice that Freydis was planning to kill them before they even left Greenland. Because she made sure that, that her side had more guys. Yep, that's very true. That was always the plan. She was ready. What a like, just straight up. I mean, though, again, girl boss. Oh, total girl boss. Still a Man. Also, the fetch. Yes, absolutely. That's a that really cool description of a fetch that I don't think we've necessarily seen in that way before. Yes. It's like, eerily like your player character, but really big eyes and just a little bit paler. Just like, hey, that's my name. And then something horrible goes wrong. Yeah. Well, you don't even have to play up the, like, they're very similar to you. Just describe them and say, like, she has very big eyes and she's wearing all black. And she's, she comes up and it's just like, hello? And you're like, hi, my name is Jane. And she's like, hi, my name's Jane. And, like, she just kind of repeats. Yeah. Ooh, that'd be freaky. And then, like, of, of course, abruptly she vanishes and something goes horribly wrong at that yeah. exact second. Ooh, that'd be great for a horror campaign. Yeah. Especially if you're already, like, on an outpost where there's not that much there. Yeah. I like that. Or again, if you're doing the, like, foreign land thing, like, obviously one of the things is that in D&D there are lots and lots of different intelligent species. Maybe the locals are, like, I don't know, what's 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 a good species to, to have, like, a bunch of? I don't know, dragonborn? Tieflings? Are those too mainstream? I mean, those are those are two fourth kobolds? edition kobolds. Yes, maybe <laughs> the new land is entirely populated by kobolds, and so it's not only weird that this strange woman is showing up, but she's also like, I thought we were the only humans for hundreds of miles. Ooh, I like Who that. Who are you, and how did you get here? Yeah, why are you here? Are you okay? I like that. I like that. Oh man, I had a thought. Oh, what if your party is at an estate? on some foreign land there's not really any other people this is just like the one homestead out there it's just a guy and his wife add any other horror elements you like maybe they die maybe like they get sick maybe you guys get sick but they're the ones who die and then come back Mm -hmm. how do you deal with that i feel like that could be pretty spooky yeah and then of course you could do that and incorporate it as character backstory like someone's maybe it's a pc's wife who dies you know, and then comes back and it's like, oh, my household. That would be something interesting to introduce into the exploration campaign is like, also, just so you know, in this world, unless they're buried on hallowed ground, everyone comes back. Ooh, that could be real good. I hope you can build a sufficiently hallowed church real quick mm-hmm. before anyone dies. Mm-hmm. And then like if they have to pass checks for that, if there's no cleric in the party. Yep. You know, how does that work? Or maybe it's just for your religion in particular. Who knows? Yeah. Fun stuff. Okay, what else did you have? Okay, I have a couple other things, but first a, a small item. I wrote down sweet dew, and I think it would be fun to just throw that in, that, like, the dew is literally sweet. Ooh, that's cool. Like, maybe just for flavor, or... Maybe there's potion qualities. Yeah, like, maybe because there's something special about it, or maybe it's, like, a symptom of something wrong. Like, you can fill that out in any direction. I like that. Like, everything tastes sickly sweet. Like, first you're like, oh, wow, like, the fruit's so good, and then... 
the water is really sweet and then like the meat kind of tastes sweet and then it's like everything's made of marzipan yeah it's like the the witch from hansel and gretel got a hold of a terraforming engine (laughs) that could go so wrong so i think that would be fun to just Again, a way to make this vaguely unsettling is just you always describe everything they find in the new world as tasting sweet. Really sweet. That's really unsettling. There's a lot of really unsettling things in this story that don't go full horror, but that do go just far enough to make you kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't know if that's our reading of it or if that's just the genre. It's a good good question. Of like very understatedly bleak and uncanny things. It's creepy either way. I have a larger thing. Do you have anything else before I jump into it? I don't have anything else. No, I don't think so. All right. So the other thing I wrote down is the economy of honor. Yes. Okay. Okay. Where are you going with this one? All right. So this may be like a basic thing, but my first thought was, all right, in really, really old school D&D games, the way you got XP was by collecting gold from like dungeons and stuff. What if you had a similar system, but everything was based on, instead of like gold pieces, like honor points or something? I like that. Honor points. You'd accumulate them and you'd have to write them down and keep track of them and you'd be able to spend them on various things. So like in some way it's become, it's become concrete enough that the economy of honor can be a literal economy. I like that. I like that. I think it might be difficult to make it work smoothly, but I like the concept. I think it depends on how you build the culture, but I definitely think it could work. I also like the idea of it having, again, this is a bit surreal, but of it it having some physical manifestations, you could have a box of honor. I just like that concept. That's a good one. That's good no matter what. Box of honor. Yeah, how do you spend your honor points? That's about it? That's all I got. Cool. All right. How many ages hence shall this, our lofty scene, be acted over? Echoes in modern culture. And And this one actually has some. I'm excited. Alright, so. Aside from Thorfinn Carl Stephanie as a statue in several places. Yeah, that was actually the first one I was going to bring up. Oh, perfect. Oh, apparently there's an anime of this? That was weird. I googled Thorfinn Carl Stephanie and the first thing that came up was a uh, a wiki for a manga (laughs) slash anime. That's amazing. It stars Thorfinn Karlsefni. That is amazing. Is it his historical story? What is it? What's the name of it's the anime? It's called Vinland Saga. Oh my gosh, this is hilarious. You know what? Okay. All right, but anyway, Echoes in Modern Culture, I did want to mention that there is a statue of Thorfinn Karlsefni in Philadelphia. And if you in look up Philly? his Wikipedia page, there's a picture of it. Yeah. Right on. It's uh, made in the early 20th century, so it's... It's basically like the metal version of those, like, uber-masculine heroic figures that you see drawn in turn-of-the-century medieval translations. I love like, it's, those. it's just that, but a statue. Awesome. Is it in Philly? Yeah, Philly. Oh, and there's another casting in Reykjavik. That makes sense. I knew about the one in Reykjavik. Yeah, apparently it's the same statue. Nice. Okay. Well, not the same, but two castings of the same. Of the mold. same statue, yeah. And, of course, Snorri uh, Thorfinnsson slash... Snorri Karlsefnison. I thought I thought there was a boat named after him, but even cooler. Ooh. Apparently, 
There is a non-profit organization called the Snorri Program that focuses on the history of Icelandic settlers in North America and regularly runs exchange programs for youth and adults, presumably between Iceland and America. That is so cool! Yeah, I think that's nice. Check that out. That's fun. I mean, I'm hoping it's not secretly terrible or something, but that seems nice. It does seem nice. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I could have sworn there was a boat named after him. This is going to drive me crazy. I think you mentioned it. Like, I, I'm pretty sure you have. Ah, here we are. Yes, in the 90s, people made a replica of, like, an authentic Viking Knorr replica, and they mm. named it the Snorri. And it is in Norsted, which let's find out where that is. Yes, it is at the Viking village at... I can't pronounce it because it's French, but it's the place where they actually found the archaeological remains of this Viking settlement. They oh, also cool. have the replica boat there. That is cool. So that's another echo in modern culture is that, that, is that we've got that boat that's named after that kid. I like it. Very fun. All right. I think that's all I've got. I can't think of any other things, like cultural things, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, a party. Not Freydis. She's the big bad evil guy. Yeah, you cannot trust her. No, absolutely not. I kind of want... Not the one who dies, the other one. Guthrith. Guthrith, yes, thank you. Yeah, she is pretty good. She's, she's, pretty, she's pretty clearly cool. got it together. Yeah, absolutely. Got a good head on her shoulders. Mm-hmm. She can manage a household. She knows how to... Like, she's like a good bard character, maybe a cleric. Yeah. All right, speaking of bards... Actually, calling him a bard may be a stretch, maybe more <laughs> of a rogue, but, and this is maybe not the best choice, but it's someone I would like to have in my party, okay. is Turker the German. Yes, I like Turker. They went out into a place where they had never been, they were only exploring in a 15 mile radius, and he found alcohol. Or made it. Or made it. Either way. Like, that is someone that you want on, on your team. Absolutely it is. Okay. Who else? I feel like we have to include, like, there was there was a, the Thorvald guy. Yes, he was uh, Leif's brother who, oh, both Leif's brothers did get shot. He was the last one. The last one, yeah. Because one, one, of, one of them got is Thorvald who got shot in mm -hmm. Wineland, and the other one is the one who uh, died in the meat sad. <laughs> the meat sad. <laughs> oh, no. I also feel like Leif would be good just because he was described as such a good leader. Yeah. He did a good job. Eric is probably also good. Although he's a bit murdery. He is a bit murdery. Maybe not Eric. There's always uh, Carl Sepney. I think he's a good guy to have. Carl Sepney's just cool, man. He's fun. He just seems like a stand-up guy. I don't think they develop his character much. He's just like, yeah, he's... He's too cool to be developed. He's already like a, a Gary Stew. Yeah, a bit. Yeah, it's Carl Sepney. We, we know everything <laughs> we need to know about him. He's chill. It's like saying Superman. Everybody knows who you're talking about. Yeah. So I, th I think if we had him and Leaf, because maybe Leaf brings luck, and he's also, mm -hmm. again, he seems like a decent guy, mm -hmm. other than his, like, weird missionary thing, but that was mostly in the other version. Yeah, that's true. Like, he was nice enough to rescue those those shipwreck victims. That's true, he did do that. So yeah, if we have those two, plus uh, Turker and Guthrie, I think we have a good party. That is a good party. Okay. The Tolkien tally. Nothing really from Tolkien. No, no token. No, mm -mm. Um, except for the ye and the thing, but we already talked yeah. about that. There's a C.S. Lewis. Is there? 
Well, kind of. In The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, the water is sweet when you get to the edge of the world. Oh, that's a good find. Might be a stretch. Oh, I say we include it. He's an inkling. We'll, we'll bring him in. Yeah. Now let's sit at the kitchen table. Food. Whale. Milk, apparently. Yeah. And whale. Milk and whale. We don't normally see either one of those, really. Yeah. So that's yeah, kind of exciting. Yeah, out of it. Yeah. Well, there's grapes, grapes of course. Grapes. Grapes and wine. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of a big deal. Yeah. Like, they, they didn't really have that. They would have had to get wine imported. I mean, you can make it from berries that do grow up far north, which yeah. is what this must be, because again, actual grapes do not grow in Newfoundland. True, but that's not wine. Well, I mean, you can have wine made from not grapes. I suppose. I suppose that counts. It's debatable. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you're the alcohol expert, so I defer to you. Technically, wine is supposed to be made from grapes. Right. But... Because of the way that wine has, like, semantically expanded over time to include... Okay, like, ale is alcohol made from grains. Uh-huh. And mead is alcohol made from honey. Uh-huh. And wine is alcohol made from grapes. So where oh. does that put alcohol made from other berries? Like, it's been crowded out, so people just call it, like, blackberry wine or something. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah. Like, you can even find things being sold as apple wine, even though, like, you'd expect it to be cider. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fair. Okay, all right, all right. I'll, I'll bring it in the wine category. I, I feel like wine in this case is just referring to something made with whatever berries they found, and it's not really grapes. That's fair. All right. Also, blackberry wine sounds better than it is. It's way too sweet. I don't recommend it. Really? Sweet? I, I know. I didn't that. expect that either, because blackberries are not, like, a particularly sweet fruit. Mm-mm. But, yeah. Interesting. All the blackberry wine I've ever had has been, like, sickly sweet, so I've stopped buying it. That's, yeah, fair. Good decision. The Dungeon Master's Dictionary. Terminology. I know you wrote down a whole bunch, so let's just go off of what you wrote down. All right. I have Ice Mountains. Yes. Which is just, just a thing. It's a... Probably better to say icebergs or glaciers, because one of the two is what you mean, and either one could get confused. But it sounds good. It sounds really cool, and also, I really enjoy having a variety of languages in my mm. D&D world, and I think it's fun to have NPCs who come from different cultures who aren't as familiar with the language that your characters are speaking. Maybe, you know, they didn't grow up with common, maybe it's a second tongue to them, and so... Maybe they trip over their words and they say ice mountain as opposed to glacier because they've never encountered that term before. So I would encourage playing with those ideas and obviously clarify with your players if it's unclear, but it's a fun bit of flavor, in my opinion. Yeah. Throw it in. Why not? I also have waxed a mane. Waxed a mane is a good one. Or just the general idea of finding an excuse to throw impenetrable nautical lingo at your players. I don't know if that one's nautical. I think that's just archaic. Either one. Either way, it's, yeah. Speaking of impenetrable, westering. Yes, westering. Something in the west-ish. Possibly more interesting, I also have written down Ekterstad and Dagmalastad, which you may remember Ooh. are like... Ekterstad means the place that th- where the sun is at 3 p.m. And yes. Dagmalastad, this is the place that the sun is at 9 a.m. Breakfast time. Yeah. I like that. I think we've lost a lot of that with with the new out like the hours like 
Mm-hmm. I really like Nones. I really like Prime and Lods. I like those old fashioned ways of telling time. I feel like it connects us more with the community and mm-hmm. ways of being, whereas the numbers are just like, I don't know, it feels so industrial revolution y to me. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that, actually. Yeah. Well, to be fair, mechanical clocks and, like, hourly timekeeping was a way for employers to work their workers for sets of chunks of time. Like, it is Mm -hmm. fundamentally kind of a capitalist thing, timekeeping in the numerical sense. But anyway, hours are not, but... Time zones, too. I'm not a fan of those, either. Those are weird. They're also of capitalist origin. And, I like, I know that they're convenient, but... Also, like, maybe this is my bias for living at the edge of a time zone. <laughs> to be fair, Indiana has a weird time zone problem. It's, it's real bad. Yeah, it's, it's just that we're at the fringe. Yeah. Like, right. It is real freaking annoying that... You drive 20 minutes and you're in a different time zone. Well, I'm, I'm thinking more just like the fact that the time and the sun don't match up. Mm, that too. In, in the winter, the sun doesn't rise until like 830. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, that's that's fair. It used to be that, like, every town would have some guy who, like, did some, like, measurements off the sun and set the clock tower by that. I would like to bring that back. I think that would be convenient, but I think we live in too much of a globalized world. Yes, it would be a huge pain for <laughs> trying to interact with anyone outside of where you live, which is probably but... why we don't bring it back. But I'd still like the sun to rise at a reasonable time, damn it. I agree. All right. Anyway... Next anyway. thing. Scary. Ooh, yes. How do we spell that? S-K-E-R-R-Y. Yeah, not scary like Halloween scary. No. Again, it's a... Let me make sure I'm getting this definition right. It's like a it's a jutting rock out in the ocean. Yeah. According to my immediate Googling, it is a reef or rocky island. But it's it's not something you, like, live on. It's something that, like, barely sticks out of the water. Yeah. An inhospitable pointy bit of land yeah oh and the last one i have written down is sumpter horse which is a pack horse pack horse that's a good one that is a good one i might have to figure out what the etymology of that is at some point i was watching a game where where the dm used the word livery like the place where you get horses Mm -hmm. and i didn't I don't know. I really enjoyed it because it was a word that always felt archaic to me that I knew, but I never felt like I could use that with my players because I felt like they wouldn't know what it was. So it was really cool to see it in like a televised game. I was like, oh, people do know what that word is. (laughs) Yeah. Take opportunities to improve your group's vocabulary is my suggestion, but also I'm a pretentious asshole, so... Or you can use the same method to confuse them, because livery is one of those words that has a better known definition that is not a place where you keep horses, so they will be confused. What is it? Like a pantry? No, it's just, it's like clothing. It's... let me make sure... It is? Right. Maybe I'm imagining this. Why am I Googling? I have the OED still open right here. Ooh, we did have fillet as like the, the head wrap. Oh yeah, I, I didn't even write that one down. Yeah, fillet. Which is a weird word. Oh, wow, there are a lot of definitions for livery, actually. My mind is being blown. Yeah, but the one I was thinking of is something assumed or bestowed as a distinguishing feature, a characteristic garb or covering. Oh. So, like, I I generally hear of it as, like, you're wearing the livery of a certain organization. Oh, I guess I have heard that before. Weird, interesting. Yeah, but that's definition three, and that's not even, like... 
not just like one, two, three, but like Roman numeral three. Like it's in sections. There's a lot of definitions for this word apparently. Wow. That I've never heard of. Interesting. Good to know. Confuse your players and or yes. educate them. Either one. Both. All right. Street smarts. Gosh, I mean, there was not really a warning for Freydis at all. I'm trying to think yeah, of anything Yeah, I, w- I was trying done. to think, like, what could they have possibly done? But, like, no, they did There's everything nothing. right. They had no idea that was coming because there was no reason. She was just a psychopath. Yeah. Okay. I guess at least have a lucky ship and or a really good guide because you don't want to end up rowing yourself in a circle. Yes. Not a good look. Make first contact peacefully. Yes. Why do we keep having to say this? Come in peace. Ridiculous. Remember that the undead are not always here to kill you. Sometimes they just have a message. And sometimes it's going to be a really positive message about your life. Yeah. Also, consent is key. If you're consoling yes. a loved one, please make sure that they like actually want your affection slash physical touch slash whatever. Because grief is hard and people... Deal with grief in different ways. Give them space if they want space. Give them cuddles if they want cuddles. That is actually very good advice for yeah. what is usually a pretty goofy segment. Yeah. I don't know. It's. I feel like that's really important because we learn about the cycles of grief or whatever. And mm-hmm. you can experience the stages of grief in different orders. And it's not the same for everybody. And... It really just depends on the person. Like, for me, when my cats have passed, I usually get really emotional and upset before when they're really sick. And then after they've passed, I I usually have more peace with that. But, you know, for other people, it might be very, very different. And yeah, so just give people time when they're grieving. And you can grieve over a lot of different things. It doesn't actually have to be a death. Yes. So there you go. Got a little sober there, but I feel like it's appropriate. On the more lighthearted side, what we learned from Eric the Red is, if you commit too many murders, just move. Just move. <laughs> Eventually you'll find a place where you can be you. Freydis's only problem was that she went back. Yeah. She could have stayed and it would have been fine. That wasn't the plan. She wanted to be rich at home. She didn't want to start a new settlement. She just wanted to plunder the place Ugh. and then bring back the profit. What a bitch. I don't like her at all. That's actually, again, some strong colonizer vibes that she's like, no, I just I just want the stuff and I'll fucking kill you to get it. Yeah, everybody else went with like good intentions. They're like, we're going to explore because that's fun. And she's just like, nah. No, I just want to pillage this place for all its resources. Ugh. She really is a terrible person anyway you splice it. Yeah. All right. Oh, maybe don't go sailing to a place where none of you have ever been at a time outside of sailing season, just because you want to hang out with your dad. Yeah, yeah. like You can see him next winter. It worked great for this guy, but I feel like you probably shouldn't take that risk. Yeah. This guy had been sailing for like 20, 30 years. That guy got way too lucky. Way too lucky. Although, on another note, if you discover a new land of plenty, land! (laughs) See what's there! Don't just say, well, that's not Greenland, and keep going. (laughs) I admire his dedication, though. I feel like you can learn a lot from him. True. But, like, literally, the places he... Most of the places, other than Baffin Island that he was landing on, were, like, noticeably nicer than Greenland. He's like, well, Greenland doesn't have trees. Greenland has glaciers. Yeah. I mean, oh, gosh. I hate that and love that at the same time. 
there you go. There's a fun D&D NPC for you. Like, the guy who's like, I live in a really inhospitable place, but it's home. Yeah. I have no interest in these nicer places you keep showing me. I want to freeze my ass off. That's just what I'm used to. Good for him, I guess. Strange man. That's all I've got. Yeah, I think that's everything. All right. Best moment. What is the best part of this horrifyingly strange saga? I honestly think it's the moment when, like, Guthrith is sitting on one Thorsten's lap while the other Thorsten prophecies from beyond the grave. (laughs) Absolutely. That whole little segment where she's like, do I answer him? And he's like, let me ask what he wants first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the entire idea of, like, a meat cute in horrible circumstances is really endearing to me. I just really like it. That's definitely the best moment. Someone needs to write some fiction based on this. Yeah, yeah. 10 out of 10. So cute. Okay. The court. Shall we do the court? Yes. We'll have to check and see who we took last time. Yes. Because I think it's going to be the same characters. I think one of us took Carl Sepney. I think I took a character who doesn't show up in this, because I seem to remember that that there was a prophetess in Eric the Red, and she's not in here. That's right. Okay, hang on. So I think there's only one character who's now off limits. You took Thorbjorg. That's the prophetess, yeah. And I took Carl Sefni. All right. Okay, the question is, do I take Leif the Lucky, or do I take... I'm going to get her name wrong again. Guthrither? Guthrither, yeah. Because she's just so sweet, you know? I just really like her. She's endearing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. I'm, right. I'm going to take her. Because, like, Leaf is cool. He's a great leader. No, never mind. I'm taking Leaf because I'm remembering he did the thing where he did the don't split the party. Oh, yeah, that is smart. And I want someone like that in my court who All I right. can send out who will bring everyone back alive. And he, he did not leave any man behind. He was very upset when they lost one guy. So I take Leaf the Lucky. Yeah. This leaves me at loose ends. I'm, I do think Guthrie's nice. I'm not quite as impressed with her as you are. I just like her as a person. She's not a great choice for the court, but I just like her. <laughs> Carsepney's already already on your court, so he's mm-hmm. off, off limits. Uh, obviously, the standout character from this saga is Freydis, but she was... She's, she's psycho. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't want her around. If I could get the version of her from the other saga, I would. That's true. But you took the prophetess. Yeah, I'm prophetess. <laughs> true. Fair. All right, you know what? I'm going to follow the same route I did with Komatatis, and I'm going to take Tyrker the German. Nice. I'll let you type his name in, because I don't know how to spell that. Final rating. Oh, gosh. I like this one. A lot of twists and turns. I don't know if it's as engaging as the other one. I agree, X. I think the other one tells the story better. I think it tells the story better. Like, I love the meet-cute. I love the thing with Freydis because it's so unhinged. But overall, the other one is better. So what did I rate that one? You gave it an 8.5. I'll give this one a 7.5. I feel like that's fair. I actually think you're right in that this is like a step below the... Uh, the saga of Eric the Red. So what did like, I give? I gave it a regular eight, so I'll give it a seven. It's good, but it's not like incredible. Yeah. 
it definitely has its value. I like the bit with the undead and Freitas as a character just coming out of nowhere with this completely unhinged murder plot is great. Love that, actually. Like, terrible person, great story hook. Yeah. Which I can't emphasize enough. No reason. There is no reason she couldn't have just left them alive and taken the ship back. They gave her the ship. They were like, yes, you can have it. But she'd already planned for them to say no, apparently. And she just, just kept going them. as if they had. Yeah, she, she just, just straight yeah, up she hated them. Like for no reason that is given. Like, all Crazy. we're told is like they had arguments over games. But she was well, she already, already planning them before. before they even left. Yeah. Who knows? We do not have a good reason for this. Cannot figure out her motivations. But just the sheer psychopathy of this yeah. woman intrigues yeah. me. It's really... It's really something to grapple with. Because first she had her men kill a bunch of people, and then when they didn't want to kill the women, she's like, all right, cool, I'm gonna do it myself. I also like how just direct her phrasing was. Like, she didn't say, like, well, if you don't want to do it, I'll do it. Or she didn't, like, even try to shame them first. She's just like, give me an axe. Yeah. That was oh. it. <laughs> I just, I want to see that in film, you know? Like, she just sticks her hand out, and mm-hmm. she just goes, Give me an axe. And it's like, oh, f- She's going crazy. All right. Welcome to the Leech's Corner. Seal. The Merswin. I like of that. Of course. Mm-hmm. Wait, hold on. Merpig. I thought the Merswine were porpoises. I mean, aren't those North American waters, though? Not European? I have no idea. I didn't think... Oh, porpoises. I was thinking of manatees. Oh, yeah. Those those I Those are, are North American. North no, they have porpoises, yeah. but those are I think she includes those in whales. These are ah. seals. So, merswin or merswine, water pigs. They do look like piggies. Googling does say that's that it's usually meant to refer to porpoises and dolphins, by the way. Really? That's stupid. I like seals better. Seals are clearly mer dogs. Oh, that's true. Okay. All right. Anyway, well, I will <laughs> I will refer to them as the the sea doggos. So, the seal is more from hot air than cold. It has the nature of fish and nearly that of pigs. Do with that as you will. All so, right. maybe maybe this is not a seal, maybe it's a porpoise. I don't know how to interpret this, but here you go. It likes the night more than the day and dwells willingly in caverns under the water. Sometimes it rises above the water. At times, it eats unclean foods and human flesh from people who have drowned. (laughs) (laughs) At least it's just scavenging. Yeah. And the dirty foam which floats on the water. Therefore- Dirty foam. Yeah. Haven't you seen, like, foam on the water? Yeah, I wouldn't describe it as dirty. That's fair, I guess. Therefore, its flesh is not good for a person to eat. Both male and female eat certain plants from which they become fecund. Fat. Oh, I thought it meant fertile. Well, yes, it does. Productive, high yielding. I just thought of, yeah. like, the fat seals. Yes. I just like the fat <laughs> seals. <laughs> yes. Maybe that's why they have the nature of pigs, because they're fat. I think so! Anyway, when it is time to release their spawn, the male and female join their necks together and rub so that they both warm up. I don't think that's true at all. <laughs> then the female sends out seals. her seed. Let us know. Yeah. I'm sorry, then the female what the what's? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> I was too busy asking our SEAL audience, our, our Selkie <laughs> listeners, to tell us about the veracity. 
The female sends out her seed. The male then devours it. The female is indignant and releases another seed, lies over it, and rests. The male soon comes and sends out milt from his mouth, along with that which he had devoured. So they both pour forth spawn and remain there until there is the beginning of life. There will be one fish. Sorry, what was that last part? There will be one fish. Like, there's only one offspring. There's only one calf. Okay, yeah. I I think that might be accurate. I don't know how many seals have in a litter. How many pups? But that does sound like a a bizarre reproductive process, and I want to know who came up with that. Where does the, like, neck rubbing come from? Is is that because they, like, lay on top of each other? Because that's how everything has to line up? Maybe. And so then it looks like they're rubbing their necks together? Anyway... After it takes in vital air, they proceed to act in a similar fashion, since they send out all their spawn at one time. They proceed to act in a what? Fashion? Similar fashion. like A similar fashion. I guess they do it again? I don't know. Sure. But like it's saying that they do this, and then they come up for air, and then they do it again. Weird. Also, I googled it to try and figure out what a group of baby seals is called, and there isn't an answer, because they do give birth to one at a time. So, oh. like, it's not applicable. Fair enough. A person who is virgichtiget. I think that one's come up before, and we're it always has. confused by it. Uh, let me translate it really quick. Arthritic. Okay. Why would they not just translate it? I don't know. I think it's because there's, like, a translation issue where we're not actually sure what it is. Mm-hmm. But that's my best guess. Anyway, if you're arthritic, you should pulverize equal weights of seal's liver and lung. You should put this powder in water and drink it often. The gout will cease. Or the gicht. The gicht. The issue. Other parts of the seal are not much value for medicine. All right. All right. Then I can move on to salmon. I believe we had a seal on Saga Thing recently that taunted a sinking ship. Ooh, interesting. If that sounds interesting to any of you, go listen to Saga Thing. Yeah. So you might question is like that does i don't know whether we're talking about porpoises or seals because that's all in question now because the habits are kind of the same like they only have one offspring they have to like sort of stack i don't know i don't know i anyway. think we'd have to look at the original yeah anyway salmon salmon is more from cold air than hot it is more active in the night than during the day and likes the moon more than the sun when the moon appears it swims very much in its brightness just as if it were the splendor of the sun and so, its flesh is a bit like the moon and is soft and weak. It is not good for any- What? What? It is not good for any person to eat. Hildegard. Now, I don't eat seafood myself, but I have been reliably told that salmon is delicious and lots of people eat it. Yes, I love salmon. Hildegard, you're breaking my heart. Okay. <laughs> anyway, she says that it's not good to eat because it stirs up the bad humors. It seeks the bottom of waters, eating plants and roots there, which enable it to be sustained for a long time without other foods. It also eats the seed that grows on grain, which falls in the water. It takes its fecundity from that, and when it spawns, it seeks land. Oh, that makes sense. Wait, hold on. It eats, did you say the seed from grain that falls in the water? Yep. And it takes fecundity from that and then spawns? Like, that's it. When it spawns, it seeks land. Like, it ha- it tries to go back to the land to, I guess, the green pulls it. I don't know. But it, it's some, like, land connection. Is this implying that the grain impregnates the fish? No. Okay. It's saying that that's what helps make the fish fertile. Like, okay. able okay. to conceive roe. 
I know that sounds like a nonsensical question, but like it's <laughs> the same era where they believe that goose barnacles turned into actual geese. So yeah. like you can't be sure. You can't really be sure. But yes, it's a strangely logical argument for why salmon return up rivers from the ocean to spawn. Anyway, there it sends out its row and the male pours its milt over. From these seeds, one little fish is made. And so the salmon continue until they are emptied of all their spawn. That is, they pour out one at a time their spawn or milt at various places, and there they rest until the little fish take life from the air. I don't think that's true. No, no, but it is true that they, like, spawn up river, so it's sort of all over yes. the place. A person whose gums are rotting and whose teeth are weak and fragile should pulverize salmon bones and add a little roasted salt. He should frequently put this powder around his teeth at night and let saliva flow over his gums. It will clean and heal the flesh around his teeth. Other parts of salmon are not valuable as medicine. Huh. Salmon flesh, not good for food or medicine. Apparently not, which is very, very strange to me. I would have expected, like, at least for her to say, like, yes, it's good for food. Right? But, I don't know. Maybe she just no. doesn't trust fish. I don't know, I guess. Yeah. It's very strange. And then there's there's just a, a fish that has a shell. I mean, there are shellfish. True, but this one, like, it doesn't have much of a definition. Well, we we are... 30 seconds away from the four-hour mark. Oh, so boy. How about we shelve that for yes, next time? Yes, we shall. All right. Anyway, there we go. All right. So thank you all very much for getting through the second saga of the Greenlanders. I was really hoping we'd be able to do it in one episode this uh, time. But no. No, we have too much fun with these. Yeah. We have way too much fun. I feel like we got distracted even more this time around. Probably, but eh, it's all in good fun. We have fun doing it. Okay, and with that, we will leave you with all of our strange new new world wisdom, I suppose, and the horrifying thoughts of Freitas. Yes, she's out there. She is out there. She may very well be undead and out there. <laughs> yes. Which is And by even out worse. there, I mean behind you. <laughs> Good night, listeners. Good night. I guess we'll just leave that there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you for listening to the Maniculum Podcast. Please consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes to help support us. If you're interested in exclusive merch and continuous exclusive content, consider becoming a patron on Patreon. To see our sources and our notes, check out our blog on themaniculumpodcast.com. And hey, come get involved in our community. We have a Discord group that you can join, and you can find links to our server on our Facebook group, The Maniculum Podcast, our Twitter, at Maniculum, and our Instagram, at Maniculum Podcast. Original music by Walker. Check out their project, Sugar Glass, on Spotify. House neat. Fuck is a house neat. I'm guessing full estate. Probably. I'm gonna Google it anyway. (laughs) Gotta do our due diligence. Oi, Google, I put that in quotation marks for a reason. It's showing very neat house. How to clean your house.